Hey guys, Adam here. Today I'm going to be talking about one of the recent games in the NBA season, as well as some marketing business with the U.S. Olympic and Paralympic Committee. Now picture Derrick Rose in the era of load management, the term that's all the rage in the NBA these days, and the source of some controversy for sitting out healthy players as a means of injury prevention, didn't require medical breakthroughs achieved over decades. Load management is simply an approach, a self-discipline by teams in rationing out a player's usage to maximize his availability by limiting their availability. Rose arrived six or seven years too soon to benefit from it. Load management didn't exist as a league-wide trend when he suffered in April 2012, the ACL blowout to his left knee that forever altered his NBA trajectory. Rose told NBA.com, All the time in Chicago when I was coming back, load management wasn't a term then. There were no healthy DNPs back then. Very few at all until San Antonio coach Greg Popovich began to force the issue with veteran stars Tim Duncan, Manu Ginobili, and Tony Parker. Kawhi Leonard's trade to Toronto heightened the tactics profile as the Raptors chased and won the 2019 NBA Finals. Though Leonard sat out 22 games last season, he still was named to the All-NBA second team and finished ninth in MVP balloting. By contrast, when Rose missed 16 games in 2015-16, his final season with the Bulls, the onus still was on him, damaged goods, for the fourth year in a row. Rose said, in response to this, they expect you to miss games now. They know, okay, he's not going to get through the year playing 82, but as long as we get to the playoffs, that's when we need him. It's funny how things change. Rose at 22 had become the NBA's youngest MVP in 2010-11. The next season, in the hurried-up, lockout, shortened schedule, he missed 27 of 66 games, coping with five separate injuries. I guess that's why people call him a broken flower. Then late in game one of the playoffs, he blew out his knee in the first round against Philadelphia. Even the NBA's view of ACL reconstruction and recovery has changed since then. Players like Golden State's Clay Thompson essentially are told, see you in a year, with anything quicker than that viewed as a bonus. Rose's timeline was pegged initially at 8-10 to 10 months, which translated into pressure on him to return in 2012-2013. When that didn't happen, some fans, media folks, and even friends inside the Bulls organization began to question his toughness and drive. Interestingly, Rose this week mentioned NFL running back Adrian Peterson as another factor influencing the perception of his rehab. Peterson tore the ACL and MCL in his left knee in December 2011, but he was back in the Minnesota Vikings lineup in week one of 2012. He played in all 16 games, rushed for a league-best 2,097 yards, and was chosen the NFL's most valuable player. Everybody was taking football and kind of translating that over to what was going on with me. Don't get me wrong, that's a hell of an accomplishment, but it's crazy that people tried to compare us, Rose said. Fortunately, Rose can look back on his career-altering injury and a series of meniscus tears and other ailments in its wake from a happier vantage point than, say, Brandon Rogers, Jay Williams, Penny Hardaway, or Yao Ming. He's been active, happy, healthy, and productive for the Detroit Pistons through their first five games, showing flashes of, if not his best self, his steadier, more reliable style arrived at in recent years. 
Heading into an always anticipated return to Chicago's United Center Friday, Rose has averaged 20.4 points and 6.2 assists while shooting 55.3% off the Pistons bench. He had 16 points and 10 assists at Toronto Wednesday playing less than 21 minutes. That is very impressive for someone with that many injuries. And that's been the key, whether getting 18 and 10 in the opener, scoring 27 and 31 in Detroit's next two games, or attacking for the winning layup against Indiana Monday, Rose has yet to play as much as 27 minutes. This is load management as minutes restriction managed nightly. Rose is playing less but more often. I got to watch his minutes, Casey told Detroit reporters. I tried to keep his minutes around 27 to 28. That limits us to what we can do with him. If it's tight or close, we may fudge the numbers a little bit, but for the most part, we're going to keep it around that number each and every night. Casey also said, I'm not going to sit here and ramp up and ruin a guy's comeback career by getting excited and playing him 30 minutes and losing him for two or three games. It's worth noting for perspective how Rose has done really since his notorious injury. Coming into 2019 to 2020, over 267 games in six seasons split between the Bulls, Knicks, Cavaliers, and Timberwolves, Rose has averaged 16.6 points, 3.1 rebounds, and 4.3 assists. Admittedly, that's not to his all-star MVP form of his first four seasons, which are 21.0, 3.8, and 6.8. But only 15 guards in the NBA match are bettered Rose's averages, 16.6, 3.1, 4.3, over the same period. In each of those seasons, those stats were reached or topped by anywhere from 12 to 17 guards. That's my ammunition, Rose said. I know I've been hooping, but everybody wants to go right to my MVP year. Rose has been a solid, occasionally electric contributor since then, most recently with the Timberwolves. His 50-point throwback performance on Halloween 2018 was one of the season's feel-good moments. Rose had three more games for Minnesota, scoring at least 30 points with another 20, scoring 20-29. to After doing that on a veteran's minimum contract, Rose earned a two-year, $15 million payday from Detroit. Rose said he understood why his drop from great to good might not have played so well had he stayed with the Bulls. I didn't fault anybody for that, he said. I would want my favorite player, too, to come back and have a crazy year. The Pistons don't need that. Casey is glad to have an offensive option to what became over-reliance last spring on forward Blake Griffin. The team especially had welcomed that with Griffin out so far with a sore hamstring. In a recent interview on Sirius XM's NBA radio, former Bulls and Wolves coach Tom Thimbado spoke excitedly about Rose. I think he'll be phenomenal. To persevere through that when you've had to sit out a year with any injury, that's a tough deal in itself. But to deal with it three consecutive years, I don't know. I'm just really proud of him. Asked what he plays for now compared to a decade ago, Rose mentioned winning and his three children and leaving a legacy of not quitting. Money isn't on the list, he said, after more than $120 million in NBA earnings and massive endorsement deals. And I still want to be great, he added. That's what a lot of people overlook, but that feeling doesn't go anywhere. I still want to go out there and prove to people I can hoop. I know I've been through a lot. But again, me going out and setting an example, I think it helps a lot of people. 
Playing Rose off the bench behind Reggie Jackson and even fill-in star Tim Frazier, Detroit wants to keep the 31-year-old guard healthy and locked into his role. If it holds all season, Rose would have a chance to match what only one other NBA MVP ever has done, reinventing himself from the league's best player to his top reserve. I know who it is, Bill Walton, Rose said. The legendary UCLA center and Portland Trailblazers star won his MVP award in 1978. After being waylaid by chronic foot issues in subsequent seasons, Walton helped Boston off the bench to the 1986 NBA title and was named the sixth man of the year. If Low Williams, for whatever reason, loosens his grip on the SMOY award, Rose could snag it if he's fulfilled by coming off the bench all season. Yeah, yeah, it's whatever the team wants, he said. Winning takes care of every area. If we win, I could be the second. My biggest thing is just trying to push these guys with a certain amount of energy and effort every game and to teach the young guys, taking on the challenge of being vocal, which will help me trying to learn in every area that I can. That is it for the news on the Chicago Bulls versus Detroit Pistons news. My opinion on Derrick Rose right now, he's doing really good in the season, and and also his ambitions as of now are really good, and they will keep becoming good, I'm pretty sure, with how much he's been suffering from all of his injuries and just how much people think bad of him. So, I don't think he's going to do anything bad late, later on, but considering the state he's in right now, he still has he still has some time before he gets back into his, in as much shape as he can. Relating to the Detroit Pistons versus Chicago Bulls game and relating to Derrick Rose per, in general, I think that branding on Derrick Rose should go down will go down because considering all of his injuries he can't he can't get sponsored as much because of how of the amount of playing time he's been getting due to all of his injuries now personally i he should be, he should still be getting sponsored just so everything going like in his life right now that won't get messed up later on like for example if one of his sponsors just quits on him right now while he's still in healing then that that should be able to help him with like his recovery process considering the amount of money that's most likely going to take now for the news on the US Olympic and Paralympic Committee changing its interpretation of the Olympic Charter's rule 40 it appears to eliminate the most difficult barriers for brands hoping to sponsor individual Olympians during the Tokyo Games, despite not having an official sponsorships right with Team USA. The change would free those brands to use Olympians during the Games without approval. However, agents and brand consultants aren't sure the process will be any easier because of a new step that could be a deal-breaker. They will be asked to sign a personal sponsor committee with the USOPC. In effect, promising they won't mislead the marketplace by suggesting they have an association with Team USA or the Olympic Games that they haven't paid for. Agents say brands can't determine the upshot without knowing exactly what new liabilities they'll be asked to incur. 
That contract had not been published as of October 24th, nurturing initial enthusiasm. It seems backwards to be pushing it out there as a positive development and focusing on the alleged changes that would be beneficial to the athletes and trying to generate some positive reaction, when athletes really haven't had the ability to evaluate how it would affect their individual marketability, says Peter Carlisle, head of the Olympic and Action Sports at Octagon. Brant Feldman, founder of American Group Management, said three brands have stopped discussions about his clients pending review of the contract. They basically said, come back to us when you have that because we can't start making decisions until we see it, Feldman said, so I'm still in the holding pattern here. USOPC officials have said the contract will ask brands to promise not to ambush official sponsors such as Comcast and Hershey, who pay handsomely for rights to Team USA logos and protected terms. Also, the upfront relationship will provide clarity and certainty about the rules and give the USOPC a breach of contract case if there is a violation. But, standard intellectual property law has already given the USOPC the right to seek damages in court for misuse of protected rights. To the extent the Olympic rules go beyond IP law, it's never been clear how enforceable they are anyway, Carlisle said. The primary means of enforcement currently is to prohibit the athlete from competing, which carries extraordinary public relations risks to the USOPC or Olympic organizers. Carlisle said, These so-called improvements and clarifications arguably convert an illusory rule into a contractual entitlement for the USOC, which becomes a contractual restriction for the athletes and the companies they're looking to work with. The new guidance on October 8th eliminated the previous requirement for non-sponsors to submit creative work for approval from the USOPC. It also eliminated deadlines by which they must launch a campaign that intends to run during the games. Also, brands can now congratulate their endorsers at the games on social media if they sign the contract. Even if the contract is benign, it's still a new legal relationship with a third party that will be thoroughly vetted by any brand's legal staff while the clock is ticking to prepare 2020 campaigns, said Johnny Goldstein, a founding partner with Chicago Sports and Entertainment Partners. These are great. These are nice changes to see, but what I don't know is how brands are going to react to this extra step. That also concludes the news related to the Tokyo Olympic Games of 2020. With the new Rule 40 being revised by the U.S. Olympic and Paralympic Committee, it should be able to change the change the rules of branding and affect it in a good way compared to how it was before, which, which should make things way better for everybody else in the Olympics. Thank you for giving me this assignment, and thank you for giving me the opportunity to research more about sports that I didn't know. Like, the Olympics, I've always been a big fan of the Olympics, I just never got into it until now, which actually helped me learn more about it, as well as uh, the NBA. Reading the article on the NBA players and just about Derrick Rose and the struggles he's going through it just showed to me how much it, how much he can struggle just because of some injuries in general like 
him being a professional basketball player for a living, it's going to be tough on him considering how much, how much being like playing in the game actually matters to him, his family, and just his reputation in general. So thank you very much for giving me this assignment, and I'll see you later.